Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. From the news building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer. The king told close family members, including his sons, Prince William and Prince Harry, and his three siblings. The announcement was made to the British public at 6pm this evening and shocked the world. Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex, has told friends he's flying into the UK over the next few days to see his father, who he's already spoken to over the phone. The type of cancer has not been revealed, but we do know from the palace it is not prostate cancer. But the cancer was discovered during the king's recent treatment for an enlarged prostate. Well, Buckingham Palace said tonight that the king began regular treatments as an outpatient uh, on Monday. He was last seen publicly as recently as Sunday, attending church in Norfolk with his wife, Queen Camilla. He remains the head of state. He will undertake basic state duties from the palace, including his weekly meeting with the prime minister. But public engagements have all been postponed for the duration of his treatment. It's unclear if he'll be able to undertake major international trips to Canada and New Zealand planned over the coming months. Well, reaction, as you'd expect, is pouring in from around the world. Here, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and Sakir Starmer have wished him a speedy recovery. In the United States, Donald Trump just posted, he's a wonderful man who I got to know well during my presidency, and we all pray that he has a fast and full recovery. President Joe Biden said he's concerned and hopes to talk to him soon. Well, joining me now is Talk TV's Royal Editor Sarah Houston, Royal Biographer Tom Bauer, Fox News contributor Mark Siegel, and former editor of the Sunday Times, Andrew Neal. Okay, well, Sarah, let's start with you just on this breaking news. Mm. I got told just after five o'clock there's a massive statement coming from Buckingham Palace about King Charles, and we think it's cancer. Uh, and I read the statement maybe just a few minutes before it, it went out. It was shocking. I mean, you don't read this kind of thing about a senior member of the royal family, and yet it comes just after <coughs> the previous health statements about both Charles having his, uh, his uh, prostate operation, which was for a benign situation, and for Kate, the Princess of Wales. A lot of health stories about the royals. This is... It appears to be by far the most serious. Yes, and you're right. It, it has come as a shock because we know the king went into hospital for a planned procedure on uh, an enlarged prostate, a benign uh, enlarged prostate, we were told. We thought that that was very typical for a man of his age, and we were told that he'd put that diagnosis out there because he wanted to raise awareness. Mm. He did have to stay in hospital a little bit longer than we had initially mm. thought. He was in for three nights. He had regular visits from Queen Camilla during that period, and it was during that procedure that an area of concern was noticed. Some well, actually, I wonder about the timing out. because I'm told by people close to, to the royals that as, as, as late as, like, two days ago, yesterday, everything seemed fine. And it seems to me what may be more likely, and maybe Dr Mark Siegel can tell us this, is that they took some of his prostate away for further examination in that operation he had and then something nasty turned up, which was nothing to do with the prostate, but it revealed 
another cancer in his body. And I think that this has come as a shock to everybody. From what I can tell, even senior member of the royal family had no idea this was coming. Absolutely. And we saw the King and the Queen uh, at Sandringham yesterday. Uh, we do understand that they knew last week. Mm. Uh, Queen Camilla uh, uh, opened a Maggie's Cancer Care Centre and we're told that she did that knowing the diagnosis. We think, we, we think that she told knew that. by that point. We, uh, my understanding is that she carried on with that engagement and it will have taken on an added significance, of course, uh, for her. We know that the King told his siblings, uh, Anne, Edward and Drew. We don't know, but before this was made public, and yeah, I think spoke to both all... sons. OK, so, Tom, I think this has all happened pretty quickly, and that says to me this has come as a big shock, mm. uh, and that the royal family already reeling from the deaths of Prince Philip, from Her Majesty the Queen, from the double health blow that we had uh, several weeks ago of Charles and, and Kate, and now this, that our new monarch has cancer. Well, it does come as a shock, but on the other hand, I must tell you that before Christmas, someone, a neighbour of his in Highgrove, did tell me that the King wasn't well and also warned that Queen Camilla is not perfect health either. So I think that, although it seems like it's a great shock tonight to us, I think this has been coming for some time. Well, let's bring in Andrew Neil. Uh, Andrew, you were one of the great newspaper editors. This is one of those stories, isn't it, where it breaks at 6 o'clock at night and everyone is scrambling. I'd imagine the papers will be absolutely full of this tomorrow. What do you, what do you make of this? In particular, the wording of the palace statement, which I, I've got to say, with my own former newspaper editor hat on, I think this looks quite a serious situation. Well, they told us more than they usually do in these circumstances. They haven't told us anything like the full picture. We don't know what kind of cancer it is, but they told us more than they usually do. They told us more than they did when the Queen was uh, getting seriously unwell. It is a, a huge story. I've been watching the American network. It's the lead story in every American news network tonight. I've been watching French and German TV. It's the lead story there as well. It's the lead story in every major network, I would guess, uh, around the world. And there will be a temptation for journalists uh, to make Harry the story because he's now going to be flying back. And we hope that uh, at times of crisis, this is a crisis for the royal family, it can bring families together. But I hope we don't make Harry the story. The story is the king. Yeah. And the story is the queen and Prince William uh, and his wife, Kate, who will have to step up to the plate, particularly when Kate gets better, to fill in uh, some of the gaps that Charles will leave behind. The important matter is the continuity of the British state in these circumstances. And the core of the British state has a thousand years of experience in dealing with these things. Not many countries that can say they've got a thousand years of experience. And I'm encouraged by the fact that the king will still carry out a lot of functions in private, including the Privy Council and meeting the Prime Minister and his red boxes, but it's not been thought necessary to create a council of state that would take over the functions, the constitutional functions of the monarch. And I think when you add all that together, that's encouraging. The continuity will continue, and it's very important, Piers, in an election year. Yes. Because the purpose of the monarchy is to provide continuity and stability, regardless of what's happening in politics. Yeah. And we're having an election this year, and it's very important that the monarchy plays that role above politics for the country as a whole. Yeah, very, very good point, Andrew. We've got Roy Nicker, who's the royal correspondent for The Sunday Times, Andrew's old paper. Before I come to you, uh, Roy, I want to read the Buckingham Palace statement in full and then get your reaction to this. 
It says, during the King's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement, a separate issue of concern was noted. Subsequent diagnostic tests have identified a form of cancer. His Majesty has today commenced to schedule irregular treatments, during which time he's been advised by doctors to postpone public-facing duties. Throughout this period, His Majesty will continue to undertake state business and official paperwork as usual. The King is grateful to his medical team for their swift intervention, which was made possible thanks to his recent hospital procedure. He remains wholly pos positive about his treatment and looks forward to returning to full public duty as soon as possible. His Majesty has chosen to share his diagnosis to prevent speculation and in the hope it may assist public understanding for all those around the world affected by cancer. So, Roya, I mean, that was a bombshell statement. And as always with royal statements, you kind of look for the, the devil in the detail, if you like. And I've got to say, I'd, like I said, I think this is a, quite a serious situation, which has emerged from a not-so-serious situation, which was the uh, procedure for the benign prostate enlargement. This is clearly a separate and, and is a cancer. So it's, two, it's a different thing altogether, and it's more serious. You can't, Piers, um, detract from the fact that cancer is a very serious diagnosis, whatever form it is, and we don't know what form it is yet. Um, we're told, you know, he, he may choose to share more uh, information down the line during his treatment. But just to your point about, uh, you know, always unpicking statements from the palace, I have to say, I actually looked at the, that statement and some of the guidance that we've had tonight, some background guidance we've had from um, the palace, particularly the items about no councillors of state being needed. So we are not going to see Prince William or Prince Edward or Anne stepping in constitutionally for the king. It's been made very clear, quite sort of firmly, that constitutionally at the moment nothing has changed. The king is going to keep doing his affairs of state, his red boxes. We just won't see him in public so much. So, yes, it's very serious he's got cancer. But at the same time, that phrase, you know, he is wholly positive about his treatment and that he is still doing affairs of state, I read that as actually quite a hopeful sign. Yeah, but for a new king of less than a year to no longer be doing any engagements in front of the public, I, I just think, you know, knowing Charles uh, as I have for a long time, not, not particularly closely, but having followed his, his life, this is a tough guy, a very fit guy, used to yomping around the highlands and leading a very fit, active life. For him to basically retreat from public life in the way that he is, yes, he may be saying he's wholly positive. I wouldn't expect anything else. But I, I, I think this must be a serious situation because he, he, he's cancelling all public engagements, apparently, while he undergoes this treatment. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, cancer is serious for anyone, but I think in terms of sort of retreating from public view, when, you know, depending on what his treatment involves, the palace and the royal family and the king himself will want to minimise, you know, the health risk to him in terms of... It, it's one thing to meet with the prime minister and have an audience with him, as we're told, hopefully he will continue to do that and meet with the Privy Council. It's, a, it's another thing to, you know, be at a Buckingham Palace reception with 300 people in the room, which I think is why, you know, erring on the side of caution for the head of state, for our monarch, He's withdrawn. But of course, you know, you, you cannot shy away from the fact that the king, as you say, just a year and a half into his reign, is having to withdraw from public life, temporarily, we hope, is a huge blow to him, a huge blow to his reign. And it's going to be a big challenge for him and the family to rally round. Yeah. Uh, Tom, the subplot here, um, and Andrew Neil was quite right, this shouldn't be the story, but it's interesting that there's obviously this massive ongoing rift with Prince Harry and his father, but we've been told from friends of Prince Harry, that he's planning to fly from California to see his father. 
which will be the nearest thing to a, a rapprochement we've seen. You do see this with families when they're warring. Is a dramatic event like this uh, can bring people together. What do you make of that? Well, I think that uh, rapprochement is fitting. On the other hand, I'm very suspicious uh, because, we, as we've discussed often here, um, Harry's agenda has been so anti-monarchist, has been so disrespectful of the king and the queen and, of course, of his brother, that uh, for him suddenly to turn up in London, not having expressed any uh, concern for his father when he heard originally about the prostrate problem, which is two weeks ago, uh, that's been a period of silence. So suddenly he's flying in. I think it seems two things, not the rapprochement only, but also how serious it is. I don't think it is a benign issue at all. I think you're quite right that there is a, there is a mini-crisis happening. Yeah, and Andrew Neil, if I could come back to you uh, for a moment. You know, we've covered the royals for many, many decades, and they've always been the biggest story in town. And like you say, the news of the king's diagnosis is leading the news around the world, not least in America, um, where it's huge. I've had loads of calls from people wanting interviews about this already. So you can see, you can see how big a story this is. But does it also point to the fragility of our royal family right now? We've lost the great matriarch in the Queen. We lost the great patriarch in Prince Philip. We've now got the Princess of Wales, who's having months off uh, work because of... Uh, we don't know what, what it was that she had, but it was obviously pretty serious. Uh, we've got Charles now, the new monarch who has cancer. You know, if you look at the sort of top... the top list of royals, this is a, this is a big moment, isn't it? I mean, this is a... a like I say, this, is, this points to the fragility of the whole thing. It's come at a bad time. Of course, cancer diagnosis never come at a good time, but it, it, with the royal family, we've gone from a surplus to famine uh, very, very quickly. I mean, a lot of people will say, I don't mind uh, the king or queen, I don't mind the very top royals, but I don't like all these hangers-on. Well, a lot of the so-called, my mother used to call them hangers-on. Well, these kind of royals seem to have stopped hanging on. They've disappeared now. Prince Andrew's no longer in, in the game. Prince Harry counted himself out along uh, with Meghan. Uh, the Princess of Wales has not been well, so William has refused himself uh, too. We are now uh, have a royal family that is pretty short-handed. And, of course, this will put huge strain on the Queen at a very difficult time for her, but also more strain on William, who was hoping to step back and look after his wife he is now under pressure and will succumb to that pressure to get back into public life and pick up some of these public engagements. So it's um, the productivity of the remaining senior members of the royal family who are able to do what royals should be doing, and not many of them anymore, that will have to increase in the weeks and months ahead. And I think the other thing to look for, look, this is just a breaking story, Piers, as you know. We do not know what kind of cancer it is, The all cancer is scary and bad. We do not know the treatment that the king is getting or what impact the treatment will have yeah. on the king himself, which I think is very important. So I think in the days and probably the weeks ahead, we'll get a better idea of whether the king, whether the king will be able to carry on in private with his important duties and eventually come back to public life or whether it's so serious that even in private, his duties are now hard to, to carry out. That, to my mind is the thing to look for in the weeks ahead. Yeah, I completely agree. Sarah, I mean, Andrew's so right, isn't it, that the number of top people in the royal family available to do 
the functional work of the royal family, which is huge. I mean, they all do hundreds of royal engagements a year. These can be big ones, small ones, but they're serving the people. That's the deal, the contract with the British public. There aren't many of them at the moment able to actually work. No, and, and, and those that are working already have packed schedules. Princess mm. Anne, for example, <sighs> has an incredibly busy diary. Yeah. And, and the king is going to be relying on his sister now, also on uh, Sophie, uh, the Duchess of Edinburgh, on Edward, the, the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, and Prince William. But as Andrew was saying, Prince William was hoping to take some time out to be looking after his wife and children. Next week is half term. The children will be home from school. Kate not really able uh, to be carrying on as normal. But we had the announcement today, and I think the timing of that was significant and choreographed, that he's back to public duties on Wednesday. He's going to be hosting an mm. investiture at Windsor Castle. He's got an event on Wednesday. He needs to be seen, because as the late Queen used to say, you know, the royal family need to be seen well, to be believed. Well, worth remembering... William will be very worried about his wife. And worried Ca about his father. And Camilla will be absolutely, you know, heartbroken about what's going on with Charles, the great love of her life. Never mind the public duty stuff. Yeah. She's going to carry on with her duties. Then presumably some of them will have to pick up some of the kings at some stage if it carries on. But she'll also have... In her own world, this is a devastating moment. Yes. And it's, sometimes it's easy to forget and the human want to beings be supporting him through his treatment yeah. as well, because we don't know what impact it's going to have on him. You talked about reading between the lines of the statements. Uh, now we look back on some of the words that Camilla has said over the past couple of weeks. Mm. Initially, when she was asked, she said he was doing fine. Last week, she said he's doing his best. Yes. Uh, when she was asked yeah. how he was, and that takes on a greater significance. Now we know what has been going on. Okay, the uh, Andrew Neil and Roy Nicker, thank you both very much indeed. Uh, I think you guys are staying with me. Uh, Uncensored next, we're getting more on the breaking news that King Charles has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. We'll talk to a constitutional expert. What does this all mean actually for the monarchy if, God forbid, this turns into a very serious situation involving our monarch? Welcome back to Uncensored. Well, uh, Sarah Houston and Tom Bauer are still with me, along with historian and author Sir Anthony Selden. Sir Anthony, uh, a big shock tonight for the country, for the world, that King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer. We don't know what the cancer is. We don't know how serious it is, but we do know he's cancelling all engagements where he would have to face the public for the foreseeable future. And what do you read into this? I don't know what to read in it. To Piers, I mean, it's um, it's so unexpected. We can uh, read so many different things into it. It could be uh, just uh, precaution. He is seventy-five. He's not a young man. It could be the doctors are just saying, let's take it very uh, steadily and cautiously and carefully. But there's nothing um, very much to to worry about that we can't deal with with our modern treatments. At one end of the spectrum or the other, it could be uh, a serious and advanced form of cancer. At the moment, I don't know. I don't know if uh, anybody else does outside the royal circle. What, Sir what are the constitutional implications of this situation? If we assume for a moment, God forbid, that the king is very seriously ill with a serious cancer and that there is a possibility that he may not come through it, and that's the worst-case scenario... Obviously, we, and we don't know for a moment that that is the, the case. But what is the constitutional situation here? So uh, it does show that the monarchy really matters in, in modern Britain. I mean, why are we talking about it? Why is the world obsessed about this um, 
today uh, when there are so many other pressing issues, wars, and in this country, uh, uh, the prospect of a general election and uh, party politics, it's all been swept aside, and why? Uh, and in a way, it's very hard to say exactly what uh, the monarchy does do, but we do know that it's important. Not important because many people, a majority of the country, like it and want it to continue, but because it's filling fulfilling part of our constitutional function. Um, it does help hold the United Kingdom together, take away the monarchy, and there's not a great deal holding together the constituent nations of the uh, United Kingdom. It does help uh, provide a sense of continuity, meaning and, and purpose, and somebody has to do it. So what will happen has already been pointed out um, with the uh, Princess Catherine herself unwell, and we don't quite know uh, what's going on with her. That's a lot falling back on uh, on William, but also on his two functioning siblings of Edward uh, mm. and Princess Anne. Um, but they're not um, that th th they're not exactly frontier figures. Uh, so uh, there will be cover. I mean, what's important, what we know, is that this monarchy fights. So it hasn't survived. Uh, for uh, 950 years uh, without fighting for its survival. And it will make do uh, somehow uh, that whatever absence um, or whatever problem this is. But, Mr Anthony, on the Constitution, if the king is incapacitated, what happens then? If he's alive but incapacitated, if he can't perform the, the functions of state, if he can't see the prime minister and so on, what happens in that eventuality? Well, eventually there could be a regency, as happened with George III, who was incapacitated through mental problems. He reigned for 60 years, but um, by the beginning of the 19th century, he clearly was incapable of providing that steadiness of purpose in a, at a time that the monarchy was more uh, central and important in the country than it is now. So uh, there would be some form of regency, and I would imagine... Uh, that William would step up and become the uh, the regent, uh, and uh, that he would be taking over the political functions uh, of uh, the monarchy, so that those uh, essential functions for the continuity of the British state uh, would be allowed seamlessly to continue. Sir Anthony, thank you very much indeed. I'm joined now from the United States by Dr Mark Siegel. He's a Fox News contributor. Uh, Dr Mark, great to see you. Um, Big bombshell news tonight. I know it's making big news across the pond in America. Um, when you read the statement from the palace, and it says it, it, when he had the procedure for the benign prostate enlargement, a separate issue of concern was noted, which is another form of cancer has been identified. Um, just talk me through the process that could have led to that discovery. Well, Piers, uh, good, uh, good to see you. And... Uh, we actually talked together about this at the very beginning when he went in for the procedure. Now, I talked to our top urologist at NYU, New York University today, about this issue with the prostate. And he said about one out of 100 times, when you're there, when you're going in, you could see a bladder cancer, that it could look like enlarged prostate, or it could be there at the same time as enlarged prostate, or it could come out on a pathology. One out of 100 times or more that happens. I'll tell you, Piers, I'm suspicious that this is bladder cancer because he went home.
because they're treating them as an outpatient. Because what you do with bladder cancer after you resect it, if you can resect it, you give BCG, which is a form of inactivated bacteria like tuberculosis, you infuse that into the bladder, and it cures it over 90% of the time. It's the fourth most common cancer in men. Number two, uh, number one is prostate cancer, which they say this is not. Lung cancer, colon cancer, they, those could have spread. But the king of England, I think, would be getting inpatient treatment for those. So I'm suspicious that this is bladder cancer, and that would be good news. Well, that's encouraging if that's what it is. We've been asked not to speculate about what it is, but it's impossible, really, given that we know the king has cancer, not to at least theorise what the range of cancers it could be, given that it was discovered from this uh, procedure for the benign prostate enlargement. I mean, so I heard a doctor this morning, uh, this, this evening, on the radio, talking about how when you have that benign prostate enlargement, if you are the king, they probably took some tissue from the prostate area as well, and that it may have taken some time for that to be properly tested and come back. Would that be consistent with a bladder cancer discovery? And could it also have unearthed something else completely different? In other words, like you say, could it have been a secondary site uh, for a lung cancer or colon cancer or something of that nature? Absolutely. All of those things are possible. I'm just cons considering the idea that he went home. And, and as you say... They ask us not to speculate, but if I'm right, this is very, very, very good news. This also happens pretty commonly. And also, they didn't talk about a CAT scan or other tests. You know, this is, this is most likely something you would find while you're doing the other procedure. So you would be quietly encouraged by the sequence of events? Because he went home. Because the King of England went home. And because if they found this... Now, another possibility might be lymphoma. L lymphoma is eminently treatable as well. But again, I would have expected the king to be treated in the hospital for that, at least initially. So the fact that I'm he... encouraged by the fact that he went home and yeah. that he's getting the treatment as an outpatient. Right. I find I that very encouraging. That seems to me to be a significant part of this. I mean, we, we know that was the case on Monday. What we don't know from that statement is whether he will remain an outpatient or whether he will actually have to go in as well. All we do know is that all public engagements involving FaceTime with the public have all been cancelled or postponed. Uh, that is very, very unusual, Dr. Mark, which suggests to me that whatever it is, they're very worried about it. Well, or that he has a recovery time here or that he had surgery done. You know, if it was, if it was bladder cancer, they would have tried to remove it at the time that they were doing the prostate. If it's metastatic cancer of another sort, it still can respond to chemotherapy or immunotherapy or radiation, but it would be more dire in that, than if it were the bladder. What do you, I mean, if it is the bladder cancer, and as you say, if he's had the procedure that you said he may have had for that, what's the recovery time period like? Well, that would be a, a matter of weeks. Of course, he's 75 years old, that factors into it. He's in pretty, pretty fit. And as yeah. you know, Piers, he's the anti-smoking king. He's been, mm. he's been asking for no smoking in all of the UK. So that's good because, because more likely these cancers are related to smoking. So, so he's a healthy king. And, and I, I think that that bodes well for a faster recovery unless he has a more severe cancer. Right. 
Uh, Dr Mark, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you so much for sparing the time. I know you're very, very busy over there with all the stuff going on at Fox, so I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back uh, and talk to uh, Tessa Dunlop, who's a royal historian, uh, uh, and also Dickie Arvitter, the former press secretary to the Queen, on this big new blow. So stay with us for more on the big breaking story. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to a special edition of Piers Morgan Uncensored about the bombshell news that King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer. Still with me is Tom Bauer, along with world historian now, Tessa Dunlop, and the former press secretary to the late Queen, Dickie Arbiter. Before I come to uh, our new guests, there's just some more tributes pouring in from everywhere, all around the world. The Israel Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, Sarah and I send our heartfelt well, uh, well wishes to King Charles III, our prayers for his good health. Um, Joe Biden, we quoted earlier, Yes, I'm concerned about him. I've just heard his diagnosis. Hopefully, I'll be talking to him soon. Uh, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. I like, I like Canadians across the country and people around the world. I'm thinking of His Majesty King Charles III as he undergoes treatment for cancer. London Mayor Sadiq Khan wished the King a speedy and full recovery on behalf of Londoners. I look forward to his return to full health as soon as possible. And the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, the whole country will be rooting for the King today. Best wishes to Charles III for a full and speedy recovery. And they're coming in from literally every quarter of the world as this news reverberates around the globe. Well, let me go to uh, Dickie Arbiter. Dickie, you've dealt with many royal crises in your time. Hard to imagine many more serious than our new monarch of you know, just a year and a half... Uh, taking over from the late great queen and the enormity of her own death, that he's now been diagnosed with cancer. What's your re reaction to this? Well, my initial reaction to it is that good on Buckingham Palace for announcing that the king does have cancer, because if he's not seen out and about, which is his job, uh, there'll be a lot of speculation as to where he is. It made very clear that uh, he is robust. He will continue with his constitutional role. And that's going through red boxes of papers of state, uh, which he has to do, and also audiences with the prime minister. So that will carry on. The only difference is that we won't see him out and about. The part that he really enjoys is going up and down the country, whether it's uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, whatever, or, or abroad. He will miss that. He will miss meeting the people. He will miss meeting businessmen, industrialists, politicians, but he's got to live with that. And he has been told that he does have cancer. He will have treatment. What is interesting, and Dr. Siegel did make the point, that he's being treated at home. Yeah. And that is that is probably good news, that they didn't feel that it necessary, the medics, that is, to treat him in hospital. So treating at home is good news. It means he can carry on with a fairly normal life, albeit restricted and not going out and about. And I think it's good that Buckingham Palace did announce it. They wouldn't have done it without his say-so. And it just shows a new monarchy, uh, a new attitude towards uh, the ills of, of, of mankind that they have announced that he has cancer. And we can just hope that uh, in the fullness of time, he will be, he will be cured. Got to remember that we are already in February. 
Engagements usually go up until the end of March when Easter Court is in play and very rarely any engagements. And I don't think we'll see the King back until after, see, after Easter and very much the Princess of Wales. We won't see her back until after Easter. But I think along with everybody else globally that we wish the King well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tessa Dunlop, uh, a big shock. Yeah, and one can't help but feel great sympathy for King Charles. He's been in a job that he's waited his entire life for, for one year and four months. And this news uh, will have come as a shock. The word cancer always comes as a shock. He's shared, but he's not overshared. We don't know, of course, what the treatment will be, and we don't know what cancer he has. But I think we can feel cautiously optimistic. Rishi mentioned he would be having still his weekly meetings with the monarch. Tom Bauer, it was interesting. There was a big uh, media briefing attached to the statement, which was not for publication. Very detailed, very long, actually, five pages or so. And as I was reading it, I was thinking, this is not something you would do if this was a trivial matter. I do think we're watching live pictures there outside Buckingham Palace. I do think there's a lot of concern there. I think there's a lot of concern, and rightly so. I mean, uh, King Charles is, after all, our monarch. He's an older man, 75. Uh, I think it has come as a shock to the public. I don't think that it was a complete shock to him. I think he already was feeling unwell for some weeks. And I think that we're just not ready after having, after all, no. having lost the Queen, we don't really want to lose the King. No. And I think that is the problem, that as, as uh, Dr. Elsney Southern rightly said, we rely on the monarchy mm. to keep this country together. Mm. We rely on the monarchy to represent us at all these amazing uh, charities and all the rest that they, the work they do. And without them, I think the country is lost. And yeah. I think that's what we've got to fear, that somehow, as you rightly say, there's a depletion in the ranks. Yes. Uh, Dickie Arbiter, I mean, just on uh, forthcoming events that would have involved the King being centre stage, Commonwealth Day service at Westminster Abbey on March the 11th, uh, and then the King and Queen were expected to visit Canada in May, and then Australia, New Zealand and Samoa for the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting in October. I mean, these are all big events, um, particularly the foreign tours and visits. Um, we don't know, of course, whether he'll be up to doing this, but what would happen if he's not able to go? Do they simply postpone it? Do they send Queen Camilla on her own? Do they send other members of the family? What would you be do thinking if you were at the palace now? Well, let me rewind slightly. And if it was the uh, Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, you can't postpone that. Uh, I mean, it has been postponed in the past because of COVID, but there is no reason for it to be postponed. And the King could quite easily delegate uh, the Prince of Wales to go in much the same way as the late Queen delegated uh, the King, current King, when he was Prince of Wales, to go in her stead. So that is not impossible. As far as state visits are concerned to Canada and Australia, these could still go ahead in terms of uh, the Prince of Wales going, and let's hope that the Princess of Wales uh, becomes uh, fit and healthy and well to be able to resume duties. So uh, it's not lost. It's not lost at all. But, you know, you're talking about events in May, in October, and these are a long time hence. Uh, we're only at the beginning of February, mm -hmm. and I think with the right treatment, the right care, uh, and the right uh, peace of mind uh, on behalf of the King, that we will see him back in harness after Easter. But as far as those engagements are concerned, they're not lost. They won't be postponed. Tessa, the... 
the statement said that His Majesty has chosen to share the diagnosis, very unusual to do this, to prevent speculation and in the hope it may assist public understanding for those around the world affected by cancer. I thought that was quite a significant change, as Dickie suggested earlier, to normal procedure when it comes to matters of health involving senior royals. It's very true. I, the late Queen, I think the most we got from her was poor mobility issues, even when she was in the depths of her 90s. Her own father looked literally like walking death towards the end of his life. Doctors could guess that he had cancer, but no word was uttered. In fact, in his Christmas speech, just sort of six weeks prior to his death, he talked about uh, the NHS and the doctors and nurses making him well again. So this is a sea change. Of course, we live in very different times. The king has gone to great lengths to try and establish himself as a more empathetic, progressive monarch, and this is in keeping with that. And like I say, he's shared, but he's not overshared. We don't know what the cancer is. We don't know what the treatment would be. Regarding those trips, um, the Edinburghs, as they were then, Philip and Elizabeth, of course, stepped in for her father, and they went to Canada and America in 1951. And depending on Kate's health and, of course, how their children are, because they have pretty heavy familial duties with three of their own, we might see Kate and William step into the breach for that Australian-New Zealand tour, which, by definition, being long haul, will be tiring. Yeah. Tessa, thank you very much. Dickie Arbiter, thank you very much. Tom Bauer, thank you very much. Appreciate you coming in at such short notice tonight on this big breaking news. On Sense of the Next, more live coverage on this extraordinary news that King Charles has cancer. I'll be with my pack, Esther Ava and Kevin after the break. Welcome back to Uncensored, our special edition on this live-breaking news about King Charles III, who has been diagnosed with cancer. I'm joined now by my pack, talk to the contributor Esther Cracker, the Daily Mirror's associate editor Kevin Maguire, and the political journalist Ava Santini. Well, it's still a bit of a shock, isn't it? Yeah. When we, and we've had a lot of them with the royals and health. We, you know, we lost Prince Philip, we lost the Queen, and then two weeks ago we suddenly woke up and in the space of two hours... We had Charles in hospital, Kate, Princess of Wales in hospital, and now this massive escalation in the king's health. Kevin, I know you're not a monarchist, but for the country, this is a bit of a seismic blow. Oh, it is, and look, and I, I wish him uh, a full and speedy recovery. He's more fortunate than the two in five people who don't get their cancer treatment to start within the two months they're supposed to on the NHS. But you, you're, you're right, because, look, he's just become king. It was only May, eight months ago, he had the coronation. And... I, I admire and respect the openness in saying he has a form of cancer, but, of course, the questions will come. Which cancer mm. is it? What is the stage? How will the treatment proceed? Because these are all, you know, all questions. When Interesting he, he, that he has a the, constitutional the Fox role, News doctor, Dr Mark Siegel, theorising that because he's not being treated in, in hospital, hospital as an yeah. inpatient, he was quite encouraged by that. And he felt that lent more to potentially something like bladder cancer, which is very treatable, apparently, in this kind of situation. You know, we, we don't know, but he thought the fact he wasn't being kept in was a yeah. good sign. I, I've, I've known friends who've not been treated in hospital and they've died from cancer. And then, you know, because of the... Well, I think if you, course, get, the course of treatment if you get cancer at 75, yeah. whatever it yeah. is, it's not good. Ava, uh, what, do you, what do you make of this? I mean, it's just blown everything else up the... News is, is a huge development, as it always is with the royals, going around the world. What do you think? I mean, I mean, it's very sad that a man has got cancer, but let's just remember he is he is but a man. He's not, you know, 
any more special just well, because he is the he, king. Uh, yeah, but you know, I think it does make him quite special. He's a celebrity, and it's always very sad when celebrities are unwell, and I completely appreciate that. Mm. However, I would also say this is a really good moment in time to talk about statutory sick pay. So King Charles now doesn't have to work. He'll, do, you know, he'll do his phone call with the prime minister or whatever, but he's not going to his public engagement. He's Seventy-five well, years old. Have to work anyway. Okay. Why would you want to be so churlish? I'm not being churlish. What I'm pointing out you is think that with a seventy-five-year-old king, okay, but there'll be has cancer. Today, you should be talking about statutory. Today, who've woken up and they might be 56, they might need to go to work. Would they be working at 75 as hard as he does? Do you know any 75 year old that works as hard as he does? I, I, what hard? Okay, uh, 75. Let, look, let's not get into this today because I feel bad because a man is unwell and a family is unwell. You don't think he works hard? I appreciate that. But look, you know, I think it's a pretty cushy job that I think many of us could a also do. Cushy job being yeah, king of England? I, I think I would be fine being king of England. Really? I think I could do it as a side job, actually. You'd have to identify as a man, which I know you probably would. <laughs> Uh, just because you could, right? Um, Esther, I, I don't share that view at all. Yeah. I don't think he has an easy life. I think he's had a very tough few years, actually, losing both his parents and then having a, a coronation to replace the most popular, longest-serving monarch in our history. history. Yeah. All very, very tough stuff. He's had all the stuff with Harry, you know, disenfranchised from one of his sons. I mean, he's not had this easy at all. Um, but whatever this is, it's serious, I think, from yeah. the way this has played out tonight. Of course, and I think most people are concerned with actually the constitutional implications of this, not just the fact that obviously this is a man who's in his 70s and he has been diagnosed with cancer. It's obviously tragic. Um, but there are questions of what he have to have. Abdicate, you know, mm. only a, about a year into his reign, what will happen with Prince William, who has three young children, and, he, you know, his his dynamic or well, family dynamic will change radically if he has to take on more more duties. I think that's probably the, the bigger implications. Look, yes, the UK does have, in terms of clinical outcomes, some of the lowest uh, cancer outcomes in the developed world. I mean, we're on par with, with Portugal and we spend as much on our NHS as the whole GDP of Portugal. So, you know, it is, it's not great. But at the end of the day, illness doesn't discriminate. I don't think saying that he has the best care somehow negates the fact that this is a man with cancer. If this was well, your I grandfather, you'd... the best you'd, care. He's, you'd, the, he's you'd, the king you'd, of you'd, England. You'd, no, yeah. even if he was your grandfather, yeah. you would want him to have yeah. the best but, care. Yeah, but like, I'm glad to put out a statement and they've been more open than they have in the past, the royal family. But, but it raises so many questions. They should be answered in public because he is the ultimate public figure in, in, in the UK. Which, which cancer is it? Do you think he should be obliged it? to say that? I do. We never knew that about he, the other world. If he's going to help other people, which mm. he says he wants to, and I think he did, talking about his Well, there might his be a prostate. time when he does talk about what type of cancer, but then you, the mere fact he's talking about yeah. having cancer... But then you understand. Well, maybe, he is, maybe, he's, he's, he's not, he's not about, Joe public. But also he think about it this way. Public, what if he needs time to process this? I mean, we're talking yeah. about... We're just oh, talking about this breaking news. I yeah. think this we so quickly hours. forget that yeah, human beings. Human. I've been yeah. guilty yeah. of it myself. I actually feel yeah. really feel for Camilla yeah. tonight. This is the great love of her life. Mm -hmm. And he is fighting a battle for his mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Uh, and she's got to go out and still be the queen, still do all... going to perform all her functional duties, apparently. He can't do his, but she'll have to do hers. Whilst... Every yep. night, going back to the reality mm -hmm. that her husband is is facing this huge battle. You're, you're absolutely right. I've been fortunate. I've never I've never been diagnosed with cancer. But again, friends, family who are Tell say me. everything stops. Everything stops. Mm. Everything stops when you just hear. Uh, everything I'm stops. So, I'm it's sorry. It's a huge You have cancer. Yeah. And you got William the same with his wife. We don't know what happened mm. with Kate, but it must have been serious. She's for off, two weeks. off for uh, for months. Let's just pivot slightly because we were going to run tonight, uh, my interview with the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, mm -hmm. which I did uh, over the weekend. 
Uh, it's actually been running on our YouTube channel, the Piers Morgan Uncensored YouTube channel. You can see it all there now, unedited, a lot of people watching it at the moment. And we're going to run it uh, at 11 o'clock tonight on Talk TV. It would have uh, aired in this slot if it hadn't been for the big breaking news, obviously. Uh, but I'll play one clip that's really blown up today on social media and get the PAX reaction. I can just imagine what the reaction will be from at least two of them. But let's take a look. I'll bet you £1,000 to a refugee charity you don't get anybody on those planes before the election. Will you take that bet? Well, I, well, I want to get the people on the planes, right? right? Of course I want to get the people on the planes. £1,000. Right? right, I want to get the people on the planes. And, and you say you're scratching your head. Albania is an example of why it's working. We created a new returns agreement with Albania. Yeah. It meant that if people came here illegally, we could send them back. And you know what? They stopped coming. Rwanda's, and Rwanda will do the same I thing for us. I do not think it's going to work for you. OK, well, we'll have to that's agree my, to disagree. That's my grim prediction. But you don't have an alternative way to solve that problem, then? Uh, no, I'm not Prime Minister. <laughs> well, the, the truth <laughs> is, I'm not. And if you want the top job, these are the problems that you have to solve. I mean, Kevin, it was... It's blown up as being in a terrible moment. He should never have done it. I think he, in his head, he was trying to compute, should I take this bet or not? If I don't, does it look like I don't believe in my policy? I didn't plan it. I just thought about it on the moment. I was like, because yeah. I, I, I feel this Rwanda plan is such a weird hill for someone yeah. as logical and sensible otherwise as Rishi Sunak to find himself dying on. Yeah, which well, is what, look, what it looks like it may do to his uh, tenure as premier. Right, I think I think you'll win. Albania isn't Rwanda because the only Albanians go there. He's going to send all sorts of people to Rwanda. He should not have taken that bet, and he looked a naive fool to do so. He looked glib. Ava, what did you with think? A thousand you quid I spend. liked your question because I think it showed the callousness of the prime minister and the politicking that is going on with this Rwanda policy. You cannot tell me that's a man that cares about curbing immigration or whatever he claims to do so. I mean, that is pure politics. Well, the reason I the reason I think it was effective was simply that I really don't believe this yeah. policy is going to work. I do not think before he has to call the next election he's going to get any illegal migrant on a to Rwanda. It's going to get caught up in Parliament, it's going to get caught up in, in the courts. But even if it doesn't, as I said to him, you're talking about a couple of hundred people at vast expense who may or may not end up in Rwanda. Well, if they have a legitimate asylum claim, they don't get sent back to the UK, they stay in Rwanda. That yeah. doesn't seem yeah. right to me. Yeah, and I said, none of this seems right to me. Yeah, and if you take a giant step back as well, you remember that this is all about curbing the number of people who are crossing the channel. And if you subscribe to that school of thought, this policy is having no effect on that whatsoever. So, you know, it's And the bigger squid. problem, Esther, I said to, to him, is this shocking ONS forecast, which we could be seeing a population of 73 million yeah. by 2036, because actually legal immigration is a far bigger problem for this country than what is now 30,000 people coming over on small boats. Yes, I'm concerned about that. Yes, it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Yes, I want it stopped. But actually, when you've got nearly 800,000 people coming in legally this yeah. year alone, and the projection is our population dramatically increasing. I want my Prime Minister focusing on that. Well, this is the thing. Because they've pr prioritised Rwanda so much, they've taken the oxygen out of what they really should be focusing on, which is bringing down legal migration. I mean, 40% mm. of the figures that we're seeing in legal migration are dependents, right? And many of them, f in terms of regions globally, are from this form of chain migration from mm. Southeast Asia mainly. The Tories should be banging on about that, but they're not. They're talking about Rwanda. And I do think that there will be people on the planes 
before what the did you think election. of the bet be... should he have should he have taken the I, bet? i think he should have taken he should have taken the bet because he would look like a wimp otherwise um but i think he should have also said but don't forget peers we're also talking about legal migration which is an even bigger priority mm. what he should have no political instincts that's the issue what he should have said to the bet is you come back and i'll give you another interview we're, we're running out of time you, well we'll come back again uh, later the week to this mm. and you can watch the whole rishi sunak interview uh, on our youtube channel now and it will air on talk tv at 11 o'clock well that's it from us on Piers Morgan's Sense of Night, a show we didn't expect to do, a show I'm sad to have been doing. I wish King Charles III and his family all the very best as he fights cancer. And we just hope that, as they say, long live the king. And I hope it all goes well for him. Thank you for watching. Good night.